Welcome to the Manly Pinterest Tip Show. Show. A show designed to assist man in his quest to succeed on Pinterest. If you have interests in the content you want to share, content you want your clients to see, learn ways to grow and succeed in this unique and exciting world, one man will assist you on your journey. To become a pinner and grow your presence online, men and women can share in the success. And here to show you how is your host, is your host Jeff C. Adding testosterone, one pin at a time. Hello, folks. Welcome to the Manly Pinterest Tips Podcast. I'm Jeff C., and you're not. I'm very excited to be talking today about how to rock a presentation with some of my favorite people. But first, my super exclusive group training on Pinterest and visual marketing is getting ready to shut its doors. I really have room for about three more people. If you'd like to take your Pinterest and visual marketing to the next level, go to manlypinteresttips.com forward slash training. That's manlypinteresttips.com forward slash training. Don't wait. This training is the cheapest it will ever be. Now, Peg Fitzpatrick and Rebecca Radice totally nailed their presentations last month at Social Media Marketing World, so I wanted to explore their secrets on today's show. Now, Peg Fitzpatrick is the co-author of The Art of Social Media, Power Tips for Power Users with Guy Kawasaki. She's been seen on Time Incorporated, Huffington Post, Inc. Magazine, and NPR's Tech Nation. She also runs social media campaigns for some of the top companies around. She spearheaded successful social media campaigns for Motorola, Audi, Google, Virgin, and more. And she's probably taught me more about social media than anybody else. Rebecca Radice is an award-winning writer, social media strategist, and global brand ambassador for Post Planner. She's the author of How to Use Social Media to Virtually Crush the Competition and recently named a top 10 social media blog by Social Media Examiner for the second year in a row, as well as one of the top 10 most shared content marketers. Now, these two are some of the top social media pros out there and really know how to rock a presentation. So today we'll discuss tips and tactics for creating a presentation that captures and engages your audience. And we'll discover some of the best practices for public speaking. So let's jump right into my conversation with Peg Fitzpatrick and Rebecca Radice. Thanks, Peg and Rebecca, for being here today. Mm-hmm. Woo. Woo. There you go. Why can't you We're done for the day. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Yeah. We're out. That's all you need. All right. <laughs> Well, you can intro us on absolutely everything. <laughs> well, you guys deserve it all. So because that's how to rock an intro right there. There you go. Well, you know I, well, that's that's how our family introduces us when we come to the dinner table. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. not not for me. Um, With the spotlight. <laughs> yeah. Right. And soft, soft, glowing filter. Um, <laughs> the uh, I wanted to have you guys on because I saw I saw your presentation at Social Media Marketing World and you guys killed it. And I know a lot of people want to know, how can I do presentations? Now, they may not be you know, public speakers and speak as much as you guys do, but most everybody at some point in their life needs to make a presentation to people. And so you guys know how to do that. And I know you guys have some tips and tricks on you know, presentation, what to do, how to compose yourself in front of an audience. So that's kind of what I want to talk to you about today. But first of all, I want to ask each of you, what do you think makes a good presentation? And Peg, I will start with you. 
Hmm. Well, first I have to say, Jeff, your presentation at Social Media Marketing World was definitely the funniest. You were so yes. funny and you shared awesome. so much value, but you were hysterical. So well, I'm aspiring you. to add some more jokes. Oh, so um, Jeff will have to add some of his tips in to people because he was amazing. <laughs> so, um, okay. So for my, how I was a theater person, as I know you were, Jeff, did you do theater at all, Rebecca? No. Mm-mm. Okay. Well, I'm a theater girl, so I've pretty much been on stages. So it's like that part of it isn't too scary for me, but it is hard to share your own ideas. It's a lot different having a script and reading someone else's words and trying to be funny because then you're practicing the same things and you work on it, but it's, it's kind of the same when you're speaking for people, you're just sharing your expertise or whatever your topic is. So, um, I have to say the way that I learned one of the best things that helped me was I traveled with guy with Motorola and we went all over South America and he did so many presentations. So I got to really see how he does it. So I have to say it's like a master class and how to present. He's, he is so funny when he talks, if a joke really works, he keeps it in. If it doesn't work too well, he doesn't do it again. Like he is the master at adding humor and providing value. So I kind of got, I learned a lot from how he does it. And I learned how, you know, I I help him do a slide presentation. So I've had a really behind the scenes, like sneak peek with one of like, at probably one of the best, most booked speakers in our country right now. He really is like global. So the things I learned from him were number one, he, he practiced for a really long time before he, um, he wasn't good when he started. He Mm -hmm. said he wasn't good when he started. He learned from watching Steve at Apple being like the, you know, the, you know, the best launch guy ever. And I think, you know, for guy, he's an introvert. I'm an extrovert, but he, it was, it's work. So the first thing is don't think it's going to be easy. Mm -hmm. Like cut yourself some slack. It does take time to learn it. That's what I'll say for my first tip. Like you're not going to go up and be awesome without some work right. as, as everything in life. Sorry, people, but there is work behind it. Right. So what <laughs> about Rebecca? What do you, we, you actually have to practice? Come on. <laughs> so what do you think makes a good presentation, Rebecca? What, what do you think? What, what, when you see one, what do you go? Oh, that was, that one worked. Yeah. yeah. I think there's, there's, there's so many factors within that, but to me, it's, um, to break story. So really mm-hmm. framing your story in a way that is interesting is in your case, Jeff is funny, uh, is, um, inspiring. Um, it just depends on what content you're bringing. Um, but you need to understand who your audience is and that journey you're taking them on through your presentation. So thinking mm-hmm. through from beginning to end. Uh, What is the story you want to tell and how are you going to get that point across in a way that gets them from where they are to an aha moment uh, as quickly as possible? Uh, Those are the best presentations to me where immediately, and Brené Brown always comes to mind because she's just Mm -hmm. so phenomenal at the storytelling and getting you to that aha moment where I, I just, I instantly have connected with her to to understand where she's coming from, what she's dealing with, and saying to myself, that's me too. 
And that's what we mm-hmm. want as presenters. We want our audience to instantly say, oh, yeah, totally get it. Totally feel you. Totally hear you on that uh, and make that connection. And I think we have the, the ability to do that by being a really great storyteller. And I'll share with you, um, Peg, you know, you're, you know all of this. So <laughs> you're going to be like, blah, blah, boring. Um, Stop it. I don't know anything. I'm teasing. Keep going. I'm teasing. So you, guys, you guys are drama geeks. I am not. I, uh, I actually sang um, my whole life growing up, played piano, sang in a small group toured all over the country. Um, and that was, uh, that I, I think was a huge help for me in being on a mm-hmm. stage, being in front of people, um, knowing how to conduct yourself in front of people. And then I did morning radio for 10 years um, in a major city and top 10 uh, radio uh, morning show which kept me out there in front of people all the time. And both of those had a huge impact. And I'm an extrovert, obviously. And, you know, so it's a little bit easier in that sense. But come on, let's be honest. It's never that comfortable to bury your soul in front of people. So I actually went out. And uh, I hired uh, a, a speaking coach that, and she's a drama one, Juilliard trained, won all kinds of awards um, and just love her to death. But she helped me pull stories out of me because I wasn't very good. At, as a matter of fact, I kind of sucked at telling stories. And so it, it doesn't mean that you have to go out there and hire a coach like I did, but it, it does mean you need to sit down and you need to really think about uh, what is the story that you can share with your audience and mm-hmm. how can you impart that? And I think so many times we talk about what we've been through uh, and it's just like, yeah, 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 you know, same old story to me, but to somebody else, there's so many learning moments within mm-hmm. your story. And so it's just understanding how you can start to tell those in a way that makes a difference or an impact in the lives of your audience. Yeah. one of th- And that is, oh, go, ahead, sorry, go, ahead. go ahead. You're my guest. I was going to say, that's one of the things that I know Jeff works a lot on his stories too. And for Rebecca and I both, like we write about social media all the time and we're kind of like, Oh, we have to tell a personal story. Like it's not the most comfortable thing. And even no. and Brene Brown is a great example. She studies vulnerability and we saw her speak at in Boston at the inbound conference, Rebecca and I did. And she's amazing. And yeah. you know, she's not a natural public speaker. She's a scientific researcher. So it's not the most comfortable comfortable thing for her to go up and she always breaks it down with humor too you know she she makes jokes in her ted talks when she did her ted talk which is in the top 10 of most watched ted talks of all she she said they told her oh probably nobody will even see this it'll just be so she told herself like hardly anybody's even going to see this and then she's like now people come up to me at home depot and they're like i saw you on youtube so you know It's interesting because, I mean, obviously you can't um, anticipate going viral on YouTube. Yeah. But, um, you know, you do have to do each presentation and tell each story. Like, you don't know how many people are going to see it, which does add a little bit of scary factor in it. For me, for social media conferences, like, we know every single person in the audience is like... Right. 
Yeah. Like they're all like, are they writing good things? Are they writing bad things? You know, you have to kind of tune that out and not worry about it. Um, I did a speech one time where on the wall behind me, they did a tweet wall that like tweeted. It was like showing the stuff that people were writing. And that was like kind of scary because I was thinking, <laughs> what if someone hates me? And they're like, God, I hate her. And they're like tweeting it. Going on the back. People do that. Let's, yeah, seriously, like people do yeah. that. Come on. Mm-hmm. But so it is, it, it does add a layer today speaking publicly. It does add a layer of like you know, an extra fear factor. So some things you have to like turn off in your head. That was going to be my point. Like, yeah. You have to turn off in your head. Like somebody could be saying something negative. My, you know, you have to just like go in the moment, really be in the moment. Otherwise you'll lose focus. So yeah. you have to like turn off the negative thoughts that could come in your head. That's the, such an important point. Sorry, go ahead, Jeff. Oh, I was going to say one of the things I, I read a book before to get ready for social media marketing world called uh, Do You Talk Funny uh, by David Nihill. Mm-hmm. And it's really good because one of the things he said is to nail the first 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And so I practice my first 30 seconds. And I think that a lot of speakers that I see don't understand that you have that much time to to endear yourself to the audience. Yeah. And so my style is always to be like self-depreciation. And, you know, when I get up, I say, oh, yeah. you, you, a lot of you think that I'm a fashion designer or a, a fitness guru. And of course, I look totally nothing like that. And so I think that self-depreciation humor, you know, oh, this guy is okay. He's, he doesn't take himself too seriously kind of thing. And so hitting yeah. the first 30 seconds I, in that book, that really, really helped. And then uh, Livcom was talked about, she went and saw uh, Michael Port. And he's another one mm-hmm. who really focuses on story. And like you said, stories um, are make you nervous because you're kind of revealing some of yourself. You know, I, I was really didn't know if I should tell that piece story or not that I did for mine, but <laughs> it worked out. And, you know, and people like that vulnerability. So but um, how do you guys prepare? You know, Peg, you mentioned that you, um, you that guy practiced a lot, you know, and he watched people and mm-hmm. he, he kind of refines his as he goes. So how do you guys prepare mm-hmm. for an upcoming presentation? I mean, you, usually, you know, you know, a couple of months in advance, do you start right then and there or do you wait to the last minute? Uh, Rebecca, how do you prepare for your pr- presentation? You kind of want the whole process. Is that what you're? Yeah. Yeah. yeah kind of like when you, okay, mm-hmm. somebody booked you for a speaking engagement what, and you, you know, the topic, what do you start doing? First, we make our hair and nail appointments. <laughs> Me too. That's amazing. Little beard. Yeah. yeah the beard, beard dry bar. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> so for me, it's it's very similar to writing a blog post um, or writing an ebook or a book. Uh, I'm going to start with my with brainstorming uh, my topic, and I'm going to think about everything that I just talked about, which is. You know, what is the point I'm trying to get across? Uh, What is the journey I'm trying to take that audience on? What do I want to leave them with? So what 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 do I need them to know by the time we're done? Uh, And then I'll start fleshing that out. Um, And so for me, it's I do everything in Google. So it's uh, starting in a Google Doc and just working through my top points. Uh, So what are the top maybe 20 points depends on how long 
the mm -hmm. presentation is. Um, but what are those those top 20? Uh, and it, it, I say top 20 points, because, but that could be, you know, way too many dependent on how much time you have. Um, but understanding uh, exactly what you're trying to get across and then fleshing those out uh, into, you know, sub bullets. And then once I've done that, now the hard part really comes where it's now going out and doing, you know, any research that I need to do, really understanding what are those critical pieces that people are going to be looking for within my presentation. Um, and then how am I going to share that in a way that just immediately makes sense to them? Peg and I, I think we all do, have a very similar style uh, in taking the difficult or incomprehensible and, and taking it down into a very manageable, understandable level. Um, so for me, it's, it's, it's starting up here at the 100,000-foot level. And then working it down, you know, to 50,000 feet, to 10,000 feet, down to the ground level of, okay, how does this actually make sense for me in my day-to-day -day business? How am I going to be able to walk out of here and implement what you're talking about? So for me, it's many different iterations of uh, that outline where I'll start from that high level and then chunk it down, chunk it down, chunk it down. Uh, and then I have a... a uh, a, a pretty big um, uh, come to Jesus with myself of, okay, now that we got all this in here, what do we need to edit and get rid of? And, right. you know, that hard conversation of, but I love that. And that's really good content. Um, but but uh, being ruthless in your editing and getting rid of, and I know, Jeff, you talked a little bit about this, too, uh, just getting rid of absolutely everything that just bloats your presentation mm -hmm. uh, and doesn't roll up into that end goal, that end takeaway uh, that you want your audience uh, to walk away with. So that's kind of my initial process. Then there's a whole different process, you know, in uh, getting, uh-oh, did we lose pay? Yeah, it's your camera folks. She's going to come back in. Yeah, in getting ready, you know, to actually present. So there's a lot of different steps, but I'll, I'll let Peg talk about your yep. process. Well, I want to ask you a follow-up question, Rebecca. So when do you say, okay, my it's done, I'm ready? Are you working up to all the way to the end towards, like, okay, no. tomorrow is my presentation? Um, I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll typically have everything done a month out, and I'm still, Still tweaking a good two weeks out, but when I say tweaking, it's pretty minor. Um, it's not typically anything that is going to be a big deal. It's just that I've done multiple dry runs through my right. presentation, and I'll I talk everything out loud. Um, so I, I I'll talk it just like I'm going to give it, and there will be spots where I'm like, dang it. And I did this on the one at Social Media Marketing World. I just kept getting hung up in one spot. I couldn't make that seamless transition. And so I just, you know, cut it, chuck mm -hmm. it. Yep. Um, but that's, that's, I think, an important piece that you, you mentioned is give yourself enough time and space to be totally comfortable with your content. Gotcha. So, Peg, how do you, how do you um, prepare and get ready for your presentations? Well, I do start with my hair and nail appointments. <laughs> totally important serious. things. Yeah. 
because then I feel better when I get there and I know I look good. Because right. as as a, like guys just have like so much easier easier with live video and presentations. Like there's so many more things to figure out when you're a girl. So I try to get all those details out of the way early so I don't have to worry about it because otherwise I would be stressed. Um, so I do a lot of the same things that Rebecca does. One of the things that I'm really mindful of is um, when you give a presentation, like we'll use social media marketing world as an example, they give you a title and then they write a little description and, they, and then they want you to stick with that. And I find sometimes I can go off track when I'm creating my presentation and I start going off on like with other ideas. I try to go back all the time and make sure that I'm 100% on that description because I really want people to feel like the session that they came to is what they're getting and they're learning what they signed up for. And I feel like the conferences really appreciate that too. I don't know if that matters as much to people going to the session or not. I'm not actually positive, but I just feel like as an attendee, when I go to conferences, I like to, you know, if somebody says they're teaching you about something, I like it to be about that. So mm -hmm. I try to be really mindful of that. It can be easy to lose sight of it, especially for a conference. If you're signing up for it, like, months in advance and then some people wait till the last minute to do their stuff and then they're not really sticking on topic that's not me i'm like i do everything early like rebecca does um and then i you know make sure i keep going back to my original it's kind of like my little thesis right it's it's what i want to cover so i do that i don't over practice. I did like over practice one time and then it made me feel nervous. Like I'm going to leave something out. So I let my slides guide me through my presentation, through my stories and help the images and the, the little bit of text that I put on them help lead me through through. So what's on your slides can help you with your presentation. You, don't, you never want to be, obviously, we all know you shouldn't be reading off of your slides, putting a hundred, you know, bullet points for things, because at, some people know this that are in this group, you guys all know, but when I was at social media marketing world doing my, my, um, first one, it was a workshop and it was 90 minutes. So that's a really long time. Um, if I had focused on my slides that I was going to go off my slides, I would have been in big trouble because my slides didn't work at all. And I had to do the whole speech, but the whole workshop without them. And I was actually fine because I knew my topic. So knowing all the things that I'm going to talk about are more important to me than like me personally than actually knowing the exact things I'm going to say. I know my overall ideas and my slides guide me through the bigger points. Mm -hmm. So I was able to kind of just glance at a slide that nobody else could see right. <laughs> um, and, and go through it all. And here's the thing. Nobody knew what I was supposed to say. I stayed on my topic. I taught everybody. It doesn't have to be a situation where, oh my God, I left something out. If you get too focused on the individual words, I feel like that would make me feel like I did forget something. Like once you're live, like Rebecca and Jeff are saying, like we prepare a lot for it, but once you're live, don't worry if you leave something out, just add it in, right. don't, you know, like provide all the things, but don't like get too hung up on it. I saw actually inbound again, uh, Martha Stewart, who 
I love Martha Stewart so much, but she was not a good professional speaker. She's not a professional speaker. She's amazing at a million other things, but like her professional speaking, so like she got totally panned on Twitter live mm. um, because she was reading off of her cards and she would get worried if she didn't say something. And it, but part of the way I learn at conferences is I love to go see how other people do things. Yeah. yeah. You know, a lot of speakers don't go check other people out. I love to learn from other people. I feel like my, um, my colleagues are my biggest resource. Um, so I like to just, you know, learn from other people. So if I had not seen her kind of flutter and, you know, she still did great and she still provided value, but when she got into her areas of expertise, like talking about, um, cooking or her line of products at Macy, she was totally in her zone. And I feel like that's kind of like, um, Oh, Lisa was, I think she was sitting with me. She was definitely there at that one too. She was not a good keynote, unfortunately. Um, but that's the kind of thing, like she lived, she moved on, you know, nobody cares really in the real world. But right. for me, I kind of learned, okay, that's a great example of why you should never, ever read off of things. Yeah. I did know that before, obviously, but that was a live example of like, it was so bad. Yeah. Yeah. So bad. So, she was like, if she didn't have the next card, she wouldn't know what to say next. And so I, I kind of like to get the flow down, the order down, and then I let the slides guide me. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of what I stories. do. Yeah, that's kind of what I do as well as as they're kind of a, a placeholder. And the the key is to practice. Yeah. I think is to practice enough so you feel comfortable. Because I did the same thing. You know, you had some tech problems and you handled it fine because you knew your content. And so. Don't just thank God. <laughs> yeah, just don't do, just don't put slides up and expect that's going to do it. You have to practice. Still, um, for me, I had practiced with with keynote. You can see, you know, what's what your slide is now and what's coming up, and I had practiced that way. Well, for some reason, when there was a hiccup in my presentation, that upcoming slide was gone, and a lot of my slides mm-hmm. rely on my punchlines rely on my next slide coming up right at the right time. And so I'm like, oh crap, am I going to stop and? try to fix this or just go on and i just went on and so so you have to be comfortable enough that you know what's you know that you know like for sure get your opening down and memorize that and then use your um you know the slides to guide you through your topics and uh, there's some good Mm -hmm. questions i wanted to run uh that people were asking uh liftcoms ask uh, how many dry runs do you do and it sounds like rebecca you do quite a few and and peg you just kind of get it until you feel comfortable is that correct well, I, I work on, I work on mine a lot. I make a lot of my custom graphics in Canva. So my presentations sometimes take me way too long to make. <laughs> and, and sometimes I just use the themes that you can customize a little bit. So part of my learning my speech is that actual process of creating it. Cause I'm thinking a lot about the order and all those kinds of things. So I sort of consider that to be part of the process too. Like it really is like A to Z, like idea to when you're on the stage. So all of those parts are us learning our material and figuring out which order they go. So I, as far as like dry runs go, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't do a huge amount because as I said, one time I did too many and then I was like, it made me feel like I was going to forget something. And I was like, you know what? I, I'm not going to stress myself out. I mean, I have been in plays. I did a play one time and I was like the main character and I was in every scene, but one, and mm-hmm. it was like hundreds of pages of dialogue to remember. I don't want it to be like that. You know, I want it to be because when you're the speaker and you're having fun, people have fun too. That you look at something to think about. Like, um, if you were stressed and like worried about missing one little line, um, it might make your whole presentation not as good, you know, because of that stress. So, 
and I think there's difference. There's different kinds of speakers too. Like we're kind of tactical um, educator kind of speakers. And then there's keynote speakers who are like, sometimes have no slides at all that just go up and do, it's more of like a performance thing. So there's different levels. I think everything I've done so far, I've had like a presentation with it. So I use it as a guideline, maybe a crutch. I don't know. I did it without one. So I guess I did okay. But um, I, I wasn't ready to do that. I still did it. But um I don't know. The, the, they're all hard questions, like how many dry runs. It's a good question to ask, but I guess it's till you feel like you know your material. That's it, like it's a personal number. You know what I mean? Like I think that's the most important. I think that's it. Yeah. I my response was I so like you, Jeff. It's all about the first five minutes for me mm -hmm. um, in just capturing their attention, letting them know exactly what they're going to get, captivating your audience. Uh, so for me, that's what I focus on when I first start uh, going through it. It's I will go through that 20, 30, 40 times. It doesn't matter. It just what matters is that I feel comfortable and confident mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I don't care how many times you tap on, step on that stage. There's always that that nervous jitter, you know, right out of the gate. And so mm -hmm. you have to prepare yourself to overcome that. And you do that by being completely comfortable with your first couple of minutes. For me, mm -hmm. at, once I get past those first couple of minutes, if it's been smooth sailing, I'm good to go. Um, and if you've captured your audience's attention in those first couple of minutes, it's going to be so much easier, you know, yeah. to, 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 to get every other point across because, you know, they're actually paying attention. Um, so, yeah, I think it does. It comes down to your comfort level in are you new to speaking? It's probably take a lot more than somebody uh, that is a seasoned presenter, and it's knowing it's knowing your topic. So uh, it, another example too is: Are you giving the same presentation over and over and over just to maybe a different group, or are you diving into a whole new area for yourself? Something you know, but haven't necessarily spoken about in front of a crowd. So depending on that dynamic, it could take you a little bit longer. For example, I, I did a presentation um, uh, to a group of business professionals in Arizona, and it was something I do every day, inbound marketing, content marketing, but it was a brand new presentation, all new content that I had just put together. So I spent a lot more time uh, talking that one through. Um, I had a lot of stories, a lot of personal stories that related to it. Um, so it's really going to depend on your content, the length of your content, and how comfortable you are in explaining that to people. Um, it's kind of, you know, what's the, the 10,000 rule? Um, once you're putting your 10,000 hours, you're an expert. Um, That's a lot of speeches. 
Yeah, it's but it's similar. You have to do ten thousand before you're an expert. (laughs) We're like we're like babies. (laughs) It's so it's the same in the presenting world that you know the the more you do it, the more comfortable you get, uh, the more you will know yourself and how long it's going to take you to uh, work through every single presentation and get to that comfort level. But don't ever expect to be totally a hundred percent comfortable. Oh, I'm always nervous every time I speak. And, I, and, I, and you know, even in theater, and I know Peggy, you're the same way. I still feel nervous every time. I mean, it's, it yeah. never goes away. It's, it's, it's taking that nervous energy and channeling it into I'm going to be performing or I'm going to be on stage now and using that energy instead of freaking out and throwing up in the bathroom. So um, here's another question. From- wait, wait, before you go on to tie into what you just said, I just recently saw a thing where they were talking about being nervous as an actor right. and somebody asked, um, Henry Fonda, like, did, you know, when did he stop being nervous? And he said, never. Right. He threw up before every single wow. performance on Broadway. Wow. No, and he was like, yeah. Wow. All right. Can we, we need to block someone in the comments here. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You got um, You can do that. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. I did, I think. Um, um, so, yeah, I think you never get over that. And it's part of the little excitement of doing something live, right? Yeah, mm. I think so. Yep. Well, and absolutely. Mitch Jackson asked a good question. He says, how much time do you spend researching, understanding who will be in your audience and then maybe adjusting your mm-hmm. content presentation to what you believe they want to hear? And I actually did this on That's mine because mine was too data heavy. And mine was the last session right before the keynote on the last day of the conference. Mm-hmm. And I knew people's minds were swimming with information and that it was going to be, you know, they wouldn't they were going to tune out really easy. And so I knew that I had to wake them up. So I changed it and added a couple more stories. Uh, so I think being able to do that on the fly is comes from what Peg and Rebecca have said is practicing and knowing your content, but also being, okay, mm-hmm. I know they're going to be tired or I know they're coming back for lunch, you know, and thinking of those kind of things and the scenarios in the room. Even if it's a bigger room, you know, you're going to have to be more animated on stage than you are if you're going to be in a smaller room because you've got to have that energy mm-hmm. go all the way to the back of the, the room. And, and that just, I think, comes from practice. What about you guys? What do you think? Yeah. Oh, it's, a, yeah. it's a good it's a good question. Yeah, you do kind of you do need to know your audience for sure because every con- every conference is different and every room size is different. So it is a, it is different. Some and it's good to go into your rooms ahead of time to check them out so you know are you up on a stage? Is there a podium? Isn't there a podium? Can you walk around a little bit? Like just get an idea of what you're going to do. The, my first social media marketing world, I couldn't get away from the podium very well because of the way the setup was, and then I kind of regretted it later. Like I was like, oh. I should have thought about that more and walked around a little bit more. So if you can go into your room and, and check out the space, mm. um, it's I find that to be helpful. Do you guys do that? Oh, yeah, that's a really good point is being comfortable in your space because you're right. I, I If you're just running into the room and you haven't had any time to acclimate yourself and get comfortable with the tech uh, because every, you know, every clicker is different, every mm-hmm. you know, every mic is different, how you're going to be mic yeah. is different. Um, if you're setting up and bringing your own you know, laptop for example, it's not set up for Mm -hmm. you. Uh, There's just so many layers uh, within that, that if you get there early, you get yourself comfortable with everything going on is a huge de-stressor. Right. Well, Craig asked a great question. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, going on what Rebecca said, you have to prepare really like what you're going to wear and everything too, because if you wear 
where where's your mic going to go? Another problem that guys don't necessarily have, but as women, you need somewhere that the mic. I always I get stuff. I make sure I have pockets because otherwise, sometimes it has to go up your dress, down your dress, and you have to do that a lot of times in front of the whole audience. So, like <laughs> some guys, it's it's you know, it can yeah, make you nervous. Yeah. It can make you feel uncomfortable. It's just you know, dudes just go up. You you know, they always have pockets, right? Unless you're wearing sweatpants, which I doubt. <laughs> um, so I do think about that, um, you know, what, what you're wearing, you know, will it accommodate everything that you need to do? What, what is it going to, you know, it's something else to think about. There's a lot of things to think about. Well, and as, as a woman, yes, that is so important because yeah. if you go, if you go into it wearing something that you can't freely move around in, that you're not comfortable with that to Elisa's point, are you wearing a dress or a skirt and is the audience below you? Yikes. <laughs> that would be Amy Schumer at Inbound. Yeah. She was like, can you see up my skirt? Because she's Amy Schumer. But she's like, take yeah. pictures now and then don't take any more for the rest of the show. She's like, pictures now. Okay, yeah. everybody put your phone away. But not she had many people short are, thing yeah, that comfortable like Amy to uh, just pull up your whole skirt and be like, yeah, go for it. Yeah. She, yeah, she did pull her skirt up. <laughs> a lot of people probably wouldn't do that. So, well, Craig has a good, yeah. has got a quick question. And I know, Peg, you did this uh, for your workshop, but he says, how do you decide when to bring the audience into the conversation versus presenting in a monologue fashion? Which I thought was a good question. Mm, that is a good question. Um, I usually pull the audience in when I feel like I've been talking a long time and I feel like they might be bored. <laughs> Like, you know how you get into those big chunks of time? I I almost always do it, like, right away at the beginning. I do start out with a joke at the beginning that gets people laughing. And then I ask a question or two to engage people because no one really likes to be passively listening. So if you can get people to answer a question, like, how many people are whatever, like, mm -hmm. I'll ask just kind of like a little poll kind of question or just so I can get an idea. It wakes people up a little bit, you know. I, I like to do that just – I don't even – actually plan when I'm going to do that. I just do it. Like I start talking and then I, then I'm talking. So I'm like, Hey everybody, what are you doing? And I would, I would rather hear other people talk than hear myself talk. So I try to get people to join in. <laughs> well, and, and, I, and Rebecca, oh, sorry, I'm gonna say, cause I know that now most every conference has a question and answer at the end. And so you got to be yeah. prepared for that as well. So Rebecca, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, yeah, so for me, um, and sorry, if you asked me a different question, I didn't hear it because Siri thought I was talking to her. I had to turn off my phone. <laughs> She's like, what do you need? Yeah. I don't need anything right now. Um, Give me a latte. Um, yeah, exactly. Could you do that? Oh, God, that would be amazing. Um, I, I am, so Peg and I are both, if you can't tell, um, planners by nature. So we map out everything, you know, every detail where we're a little bit different and your drama probably comes in is I even, I even think about that, um, you know, down to, am I going to, you know, ask the audience a question? Now, it's not written into my presentation. It's something that I will determine when I get into the room. And so to your, your first question, um, that 
if I ask a question and want to get the audience interactive is really going to have to do with the setting of the presentation. It's going to have to do Mm -hmm. with the group that I'm speaking with, how big that group is. Um, And if there's a way that I can ask like a poll type question, you Mm -hmm. know, everybody raise your hand or um, if, if it makes sense to do that in that setting. Um, so you just have it's, to. It's yeah. hard though because you don't want to open it up too much where people start asking questions. If it's not time when you want people to ask questions, I don't know how you guys are, but in a regular presentation, I do want them all at the end so it doesn't break up. If somebody asks a question, it yeah. could be something you're going to answer in a few minutes, or it can just get. Sometimes you get a know-it-all in the audience right. that'll be like, "Well, what I do is, you know," and then you're like, you know, it kind of undermines your expertise at the moment. So yeah. it's, it's, there's a little balance when you, for, for the conversation of that's kind of why I think I usually do the poll kind of thing instead of like wanting people to shout out. Cause if you open it up, then people might do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it did, it did yeah. work out in the workshop that I did. Like I went in and out of questions and people really pay, you know, they asked when I asked them to ask and they didn't ask at other times for the most part, but, well, um, but to your point, that's a completely different setting. A workshop, yeah. I think we need to be more interactive and getting yes. people involved. So it's, it's understanding what that goal of that presentation mm-hmm. is. Is it to get your audience involved and talking and asking questions? But yeah, typically save the questions to the end because it's going to, uh, it can kill the entire vibe of the room, too, depending on what yeah, those well, questions are. a horrible are. question. And it's okay, I think, on yeah. question answers to say, I don't know. I, I, I'll talk to me or let's talk offline. If you have some, like you were saying, Peg, somebody who's just wanting to hear themselves talk a little bit is to mm-hmm. say, hey, let's let's take this you know, after the session over because I know some other people have some questions and not brush them yeah. off abruptly, but kind of move them. Okay, next, please. You know, that kind of way. But yeah. we're getting Yeah, I think sometimes people want to go up to the mic. Yeah. Like in the bigger rooms. I've seen that in the really big rooms, like at Social Media Marketing World, where it's like the big, big keynote things they've had. Not this year, but the year before, or maybe a different year. They did have questions during some of the bigger keynote things or panels. And people really just were like, wanted to say the name of their blog. Like, I am so-and-so from the so-and-so, so-and-so. And what we do at so-and-so is so-and-so. Like, it was really just... They wanted to just go up and have everybody see them, so it's that's hard to balance as a speaker. I mean, those people handled it fine, but yeah. um, we're getting close. We could probably do part two on this, but I wanted to ask some questions um, on your visuals because you both guys, you, you both do awesome visuals for your presentations. Um, and there's there's a line of thought where they say don't do hardly anything. Maybe just put a word on screen because mm. that will take you know the attention off you, the speaker, and put it on your slides, which is funny to me because everybody's on their phones anyway taking pictures and tweeting stuff out but so taking pictures of your slides right so what do you think what are some um good tips for people who are creating graphics for their presentations so rebecca let's start with you oh well there's so many um first of all i i think is uh let them support your story uh so don't rely on your slides to do all of the talking Mm. uh you need to you know Peggy talked all about this um, at the beginning. You need to know your topic, know uh, what you're there to share, and uh, let uh, let your slides support 
about that. So I always look to my slides as what's that one point I want to get across or what is uh, that one uh, explanation I really want to shine a light on and really drive that home. And Jeff, I think you did a fantastic job with this and your slides, um, your presentation, totally different, you know, than ours. Um, and, and you would use that just one slide to, uh, to be an exclamation point at the end of your joke or to extend a thought, uh, you know, on a, a story that you're sharing. So don't look to your slides as your end all be all because mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. you. Um, people are coming to see you, not your slides. Um, your slides should just simply be there as uh, a way to uh, take that, that thought process, that idea. They should be an extension of everything that you're talking about. Good, good, good advice. What about you, Big? Um, I, the ones that I make sure that I put text on, I, of course, I agree with Rebecca and everything, but um, the ones that I make sure I put the text on are the ones that are kind of a resource. Like when I do the design, do it yourself design things, I'll put like the different sizes that the graphics should be. So that slide is always one of the most popular ones when we do the art of social, cause everybody wants to grab that. Or if I'm giving resources, like I talked about different, um, photo sites that you could go to when I'm saying something that people will want to refer to later, I make sure that I put that in there so they know that I what the website is so they can go to it. So those slides have usually a little bit more text. I don't usually don't have too many. You know, I'll either have like one slide when I'm talking about the different resources, but if it's a resource, if you're doing a tactical um, kind of speech, then you want to make sure that it's in there because they'll say, it was what? What did she say? Was it, you know, those are the ones where people, you know, you think you're saying it super clearly, but maybe they were looking at their phone or maybe you didn't enunciate enough but the resources the hard facts you want to make sure you have if you have any in your presentation those you should have a slide so there so that people can grab that and keep it and the other things are your bigger story points so the same thing like i try to just use an image or you know an idea but i do love the way jeff that you used your visuals as a as the punchline that's awesome well thanks yeah so cool so we're getting to the this last question but uh, there was it was a great one and we may have touched on it before but i want to hit it again but it was like okay um it was from ella ella b i think it says what's your best tip for overcoming nerds just lots of practice nerds mm -hmm. nerves there could be nerds in your audience but nerves all my friends are all nerds. your friends <laughs> Overcoming nerds, but what is what are some great tips that you can that you can give to people when you know because live video is the same way. I mean, we're getting this live video stage where you know more and more people are wanting to get on live video, and that's nerve wracking just as much as probably being on on stage. So, what are some tips that you go and let's Peg, let's start with you. Um, if I feel like I'm talking too fast at the beginning, like I'm kind of like okay, so I'll make note of that in my head and I'll stop and take a breath or get a drink of water. So if you stop, it lets you breathe for a minute. It, it, the audience doesn't even know you're doing it, but you can do it and you, you know, you can feel it yourself. Like I'm talking too fast. Like if, if you know, you can just feel that you're like a little bit too excited or something. Right. So I've done that before and just kind of stop and take a breath 
or like you make a joke, then you take a breath. Cause if you don't, you're going to start hyperventilating and your fast talking is going to keep going. Yeah. So what, one great thing is to watch your presentations back. If you can stand to look at yourself at all and see, did I talk a little bit fast? Could I slow down a little bit? There's different things like video. Like I like to try to talk slower so people can understand what I'm saying, but on YouTube, the YouTubers all talk super fast and they don't blink. And all they do is like, they're all like in your face and like, and my daughter's like, talk faster, mom. You're not excited enough. I'm like, man, that's like the first time anyone's ever told me that. I'm always like, right. who excited? Right. And I'm trying to do my video. I'm trying to be like, so now I'm going to talk about it. She's like, no, mom, you need to be like, now what I'm going to tell you about is that. So it's like knowing what you're doing. If it's video, you might want to go faster. But if you're in public, I feel like you need to have a good, right. you know, so people can understand you. You don't want to go too fast. So if you feel like you're, you know, pushing it a little bit much, let yourself take a breath. Taking a breath is a good thing anytime in life if you feel a little bit stressed, right? right. So that's my best recommendation for that is if you feel like you're a little bit nervous, you know, take a breath. And I think your yeah. point too is to watch your presentations, even how hard it was. I yeah. went back and listened to mine and I noticed in the beginning when I, I didn't feel nervous, but I, I mean, I knew I was, but I noticed I did a lot of ums and so's. And so I'm going to, I, know, so, I just did it right there. I want to work on it for my next presentation. And so, and not to use it as a crutch. And that was mm-hmm. one of the things I learned. It, it was horrifying to listen to again, but um, I think you have it to, is hard. to become better. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll tell one little, one little secret that I do um, that kind of follows along those lines. So I, uh, with my handy little iPhone, I record, I go full run through my presentation and I record it. Um, and then I, whenever I'm out, if I'm working out, walking my dogs all day, I listen to myself and I'll listen to mm-hmm. the thing full through. And it's like air checking when I was in radio, which is what you're talking about. Um, actually hearing the words that you're saying. And that's where I catch so many crutches where all of a sudden I'm saying the same word over and over. I'm like, good Mm -hmm. God, Rebecca, knock it off. (laughs) Um, But we all get hung up, you know, in Mm -hmm. how we explain things and how you speak around a certain topic. So listening to yourself, it, it can, if you're not comfortable and not familiar doing it, can be really uncomfortable, but once mm-hmm. you push past that, it can be enormously valuable. And then the second piece I would tell you is uh, talk it out loud in the mirror. So see your actions, see, because, you know, Peg, you were saying you could be talking too fast, but you could also, I feel like I'm Italian sometimes, you know, I'm always I do I talk with my hands all the time. Yeah. And I, I will stop. literally, I'm like, <laughs> nail that ha- hand down. Um, so you'll see what the audience is going to see of what needs to be happening, what you need to be doing more of, what you shouldn't be doing. Um, and it could be that you're making... <laughs> you know, funny faces and yeah. <laughs> you don't even Probably. realize it. I that on purpose though. <laughs> yeah, but it, there's, we all, you know, we just have our mannerisms and we're not necessarily paying attention to them. So hearing yourself separately outside of watching yourself, uh, it has mm-hmm. been really, really helpful. I do it on every presentation. Mm-hmm. That's, good. That's a good tip. Yeah. Yeah. And both of those will, will help you relax yeah. um, mm-hmm. because you get more and more comfortable with how, how you're presenting, but also how, how you're hearing yourself present and what's truly coming across. Right. Right. 
Well, that is our, we. I mean, I could talk to you guys about this because you guys are just geniuses on this subject. So we we could do this again. But I want to give you guys a chance to tell everybody where where they can find you and uh, find more about you. So, uh, Peg, go first, please. Um, I'm Peg Fitzpatrick everywhere. My blog, on Twitter, Instagram. So look me up wherever, pegfitzpatrick.com. <laughs> I feel like you need a jingle. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> .com. Yeah. See, I was going to try to make it through without singing. I always uh, sing. Yeah. yeah that's a bad thing. So, we won't sing. So about, what about you, Rebecca? Uh, well, like Peg, I'm pretty easy to find uh, at Rebecca Radice all across social media, RebeccaRadice.com. Um, and then, Jeff, like you said, um, I'm everywhere with Post Planner as well. So you can find us at Post Planner and PostPlanner.com. Cool. And always, I'd love for you guys to go over to ManlyPinterestTips.com, click on the sidebar, and subscribe to my email community where you'll never miss out on great guests like Peg and Rebecca that we had today because at Manly Pinterest Tips, we're always adding testosterone one pin at a time. <laughs> Thanks for watching, everybody. See you next time. Thank you for joining Jeff on his mission to help you be successful in the Pinterest world. Would you like to take part in a live show? Be sure to join Jeff's email community at manlypinteresttips.com. Adding testosterone, one pin at a time.